team. Thank you all for being here with us in the service. So, you know, if you didn't hear, we did have a little bit of technical difficulties. Um, so we're still having them, I just heard. I took my watch off and shut it off because I'm like, I can't listen to that anymore. It was constantly going on through the first service and started going off again here in this service. So I just tried to shut it off and set it down because it was uh, connected to my phone. And uh, it's just like, uh, let's set this stuff free and then not worry about it, right? So I want you to know that somebody wrote me and said they already know what our problem is, and our problem is we need to practice Tuesday morning at 9.15. I just want you to know that. It's not us, just so everybody knows. It's Cox. Not that I'm dropping names, but they are the problem, and we pay them a lot of money, and we should not have this problem. And so we'll be talking to them. I don't know if it's going to be 9.15 this Sunday. Uh, this Tuesday, I mean, but we will be talking to them to get this resolved. I apologize. And if you are able to watch this online, I'm glad. I want you to know, all of you in the house, that we are not a perfect church. We are not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't always have to prove it every week, but we tend to do that at some point in time to prove that we're not a perfect church or perfect people. I'm not a perfect pastor. And so we are here to seek God's help in every way, and he is amazingly providing that. The advantage of this is, as I was telling them in the first service, because it was a problem there, we thought we had resolved for the service, but obviously not, was the good thing is, is that we can't say, well, that message was good for them, because it's just us. So that means it's for you, and you can't get out of it, right? So are you ready for what God has to say to you? Yeah, he's amazing. We were so blessed to be able to go and be with our, um, our campus up at the village of Oak Creek. If you don't know where that's at, it's just south of Sedona there. And we have a live stream service, not today, uh, up there, and uh, they meet every Sunday. And we went up there to pray over the community and to pray with them. We baptized two brand new believers in the congregation up there, which is so cool. Yeah, man, it's a celebration. Uh, they're not online here with us. Obviously, we missed that, uh, but we do want to share that with you, and we're going to. Hopefully, next week, we're going to give you a couple of photos and let you know. I, I want you to personally know that I met the young lady the first time we went up. Uh, she's a, a daughter of one of the main leaders in that church. The reason why we're there, actually, God using him and us to go there, and she's been through a, a very, very difficult thing in her life, and, uh, and she gave her life to Christ, and I mean, it's seriously, I mean, every, everybody that gives their life to Jesus, it's a miracle, but I mean, when if I would share with you what she went through to get to this point, man, it's like, oh, it is such a thrill that I had the privilege to be out there and baptize her, as well as her, uh, her friend uh, there, he was giving his life to Jesus at the same time. So just real quick, like I'll tell you this, so cool. We were able to talk with both of them individually before we got there to meet them in person and to baptize them. But he was over here in his life, and she's over here in her life. They'd been friends. They're not saying they're dating, but they're friends. You know what I mean? They're at that point in their relationship. So I almost had them get married there yesterday, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, I told him, don't worry, we're not doing this right now. But anyway, I'm just telling you something so cool how God does this, right? He'd gone way off the deep end, having known the Christian way when he was young. She'd gone down the deep end and be out there because of a lot of things that happened, blaming God for it. Together, you know, they were over here apart, and God began to speak, and both of them heard God speaking to them, and they were feeling this draw to the Lord and they submitted themselves and received Christ as their Savior. They came together, literally, seriously, it's so cool. They came together and said, I got something to tell you. 
and both of them had made a commitment to Christ separate from one another and sharing that together. And so we baptized them together yesterday. Is that cool or what? Is God awesome? Man, he's so good. <laughs> I got chills right now. I'm like, God is so good and he's up to something, church. We need to understand that and embrace it, whatever it is. I told all of them when they were online, you know, over at the Gospel Rescue Mission, the live feed didn't work. I said, Daniel, you're supposed to share your, your testimony with them. Do it. Told them up at the village, if you're not getting the live stream, it's time for you to get a testimony time about what God's doing in your life and what he's going on. See, God didn't make a mistake, and he's like, you know, they don't need to hear Dave. Obviously, you all do. <laughs> but they didn't. But that doesn't mean God's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? That stupid internet didn't work again. God's doing something, right? So let's trust him and just walk through whatever we got to deal with. It's not about us. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Just so you know, it's not about you. I know you might have thought up to this point it's been all about you, but right now I want you to know it's not. All right? Unless you need Jesus, then it is all about you. Okay? You spent at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's word. If you did so, say yes. yes. You spent some time alone with God this week with no agenda of your own? He loves you, you know. He wants to be with you. Isn't that cool? God wants to be with me. How could I ever neglect that? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Did you notice how quiet that got? It happened in the other service. Every time we get to that third question about what is the Holy Spirit saying to you, there's not near as many people responding. So I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is speaking but what we need to do is in tune our ears to his voice. And one of the ways to do that is by spending time in the word and spending time alone with him with no agenda. That's why we ask it that way. Because we've got to learn to discern his voice. If I close my eyes and I asked every woman in this room to say my name, and my wife was included, I would know her. Why? Because I've spent my life with her. And her voice is different than all you all ladies besides her. And I would know it. And the reason that it is, is that I'm in tune to her. And so this is the whole point of what God's asking us. Are you in tune with me? Are you listening? Because God is talking all the time. He is. He's pursuing you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He says so. Therefore, if God's talking and we're just like, still running our mouth. That doesn't work well. Let me, you can ask my wife how well it works if she's talking to me and I just start talking over. <laughs> or if I just tell her everything I want to say and walk away. Does that work? That doesn't build a relationship. Listening is one of our most unused gifts. Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? That one was pretty weak too, just so you know. Did you share Jesus with someone this week? I'm glad that was stronger because it's the most important thing. It is. They need to know about Jesus out there. Did you invite someone to church with me today? There's some cards right over here to help you with that. Just come join us. It also opens the door for you to speak about Jesus too. So very humbled, blessed to be here, and I want you to know that um, I'm honored to be your pastor. It's 18 years, you know, a little bit more now, about 18 and a half years I've been here from uh, Michigan, and my wife and I are like so blessed. We are. Um, in the first service, you guys are growing. Like, by the way, you guys are doing awesome. I can see it as every week I see more and more people in the service. Our first service is packed out. We don't have parking. 
So I'm wanting you to know, in case you hear from them, that I did contact our real estate agent and asked him to start looking for another place for us because when we moved in here eight and a half years ago, it's only, it'll be nine years ago this coming this uh, Christmas Eve that we received the keys to this campus. And on that very first Sunday that we did our grand opening, I said to everybody, don't get attached to this building because I don't want to stay here and I don't think we should. We need to outgrow this thing for the kingdom of God and expand to the horizons and see what God's up to, right? Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, not about, it's not about this building. I mean, it's, I, I appreciate it. I love it. I think it's a cool thing. They've built an amazing facility for us to use for God's glory for a while, but maybe it's supposed to be for someone else, and we need to step somewhere else. Now, I'm not leaving the city. We're not like, oh, no, what are you going to do? You're going to leave me? No, not at all. We're just saying, God, you have another place for us. That's all we're asking. If not, then whatever you want to do, show us, okay? So, uh, just wanted you to be up front, let me be up front with you and let you know that. And um, I don't even know how that would work. I don't care because it's not for me to figure out. I'm just letting you know what's going on and you can pray for that. All right? There's a lot of people that need Jesus in this city. We want to have a place for them. Most of you, if not all of you, made a decision to come to this service Probably last night, some of you maybe this morning, maybe you were leaving your options open and see if there was something better that would come along, but here you are. The fact of the matter is you made a choice today. Some people made a choice to watch online, and they made the wrong choice. <laughs> they did, all right? Because they were like, yeah, I'll just watch online. I don't feel like getting up. Didn't work. Okay, so... Here's the thing, you know, uh, some chose not to do either one. They knew it was Sunday. They knew church was open. They, many of them maybe even call this church their home. But they decided not to be a part of whatever was going on today because whatever they had going on was more important. But I want you to know that nothing is more important than hearing from God and being with God's family and being in the house of God as the collective body of Christ. Because I've had people tell me, I don't go to church. I don't believe in organized religion. I serve God on my own. And I tell them, no, you don't. If you know God's word, he tells you you're part of a body. And if you're part of a body, you need to be with the body. And Christ is the head. And so if you're out there flopping around, you're not going to live long. Right? I mean, we got to be part of what God says. Therefore, you have to be part of the body, part of the church. It's the family of God. We need each other. And so here's why I say this to you. See, church, um, when, when some people that have chosen to show up, by the way, let me just say it this way. We do research for the church, and not me personally. I'm saying there's research companies that check everything out. And uh, they're trying to watch and get the pulse of what's happening in our culture to help churches, help pastors, help us to know what to do. In the past, they used to say someone that goes to church three times a month is a consistent, um, you know, church attender. And pre-COVID even, they had to drop that number to two because there wasn't enough people going to church even three times a month to do proper statistical coverage. Okay, now you're here, so obviously this is for someone else. But I'm sharing it with you. And church, as we think about this, the reason that I'm bringing this up even is when God tells us in his word, he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more as you see the day 
of Christ's return closer, right? So it's like we as a church should be meeting more and more frequently, not less frequently. And yet the church in America is meeting less frequently. We just have other things to do. Okay, now why are we even talk about that? Well, here's why. See, we make decisions, we choose. And when we choose, there's consequences to our choices. Every choice that we make affects something or somebody, and it does something, right? So here's what I've had conversations with people. So um, if you were going to say this to me, I'll help you with it right now, okay? So they come to me, and they're, they're not a regular attender, and they say, every time I come to church, it's like the message is just for me. And I tell them, it's like that every week. You should be here. <laughs> it's not just when you show up because you understand God knows you. God knows what you need. God's trying to prepare you for life. And we're telling him, you know, like, uh, when I have time, help me. Right now, though, I got other things to do. I mean, we do that with our personal prayer time, our devotional time, and everything else. It's like we, we push it to the back. So frequently, God gets the leftovers. You know that, right? I know that as a pastor, when people want to donate something, it's after they're done with it. Nobody comes and says, hey, we need some, uh, I mean, not nobody. Very few people, okay, say, I just bought a brand new couch, and you know I'd rather have you use it in the coffee lounge than my house. You know what they say? I bought a brand new couch. You can have ours. The leg's broken. It's got holes in it, and I have cats, and they've scratched it all up. And I know you're allergic to cats, but if you want it, have someone come and pick it up. <laughs> all right. I'm not, I'm not, like, asking for anything. I hope you understand that. I'm, I'm helping us see, like, you know, we make choices. We choose. We make decisions. And those things matter and they impact people. They really do. They impact a lot of people. So I want to read some scripture to you. And in Romans chapter 6, it says this. Don't you realize, sorry, let me make sure. Yep, I'm on the right place. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? So it's your choice. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So you see what I'm talking about, just not just the choice of being in church, but to choose the way I live, choose. I have choices I make every day, and the choices that I make are going to impact not only myself, but the people around me and people I don't even know. But every choice I make will impact something and somebody, more specifically myself. So I want to share with you something that... Um, by the way, some of the choices that we make, we will never know the outcome outside of eternity. We may not see the full picture until we're standing before the created universe and he gives us the fullness of everything that he was doing while we were clueless. He's amazing. In 1968, I was just a little boy. For real, I'm not just trying to say that. I know I'm old, and it was, I was alive in the 60s. I don't know anything about it, and not because I was doing drugs. I was too young. Some of you don't know the 60s for other reasons. I just want to be clear, okay? <laughs> but I was just a little boy in the 60s. And so in 19... 19 all right, sorry. All right, let's stay with it. All right, now in 1968, 
there was a, the Pilgrim Holiness Church is a denomination, and the Wesleyan Methodist Church was a denomination, and they were like, you know, it's kind of dumb that we're both doing the exact same thing, have the same biblical beliefs, we believe in Jesus Christ, we should be one church. Since Jesus prayed for that, let's do that. So they merged, and they became the current Wesleyan Church that we know of in the world today. Now, I think it's crazy that we have as many different denominational churches as there is. I think it's stupid. We're all supposed to be one, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, salvation through him, the word of God, we should be one church. Get rid of the names, you know? But that's beside the point. Let's just talk about this for just a moment, because we need that desperately. We really do. But here's the deal. When, when you took two different groups together, both of these groups were functioning on their own, so they had governing people in positions, one of those positions in each of those denominations was the overseer of world missions. So that person held that office and they oversaw how the church reached out to the world with the good news of the gospel. And so now that they were merging as one, they didn't need two of them. They needed one of them. So, of course, what they did in the merger vote, after they merged and approved the, the motion to merge, then they started electing officers. So when it came to the director of missions, they took the vote and it was a tie. Everyone voted for their guy. That's a surprise with people, isn't it? I mean, anyway, so here we are. We're in this tie vote. And so they step away from the meeting, you know, and then realizing, like, you know, how are we going to solve this issue? And one of the individuals, um, <laughs> who is named Reverend Irma Wilson, having been a uh, missionary to the continent of Africa and given his life there, uh, was there, and he had been holding that office, overseeing world missions. He prayed and felt in his heart that the Holy Spirit said, step back. And so there was no need for another vote. He withdrew his name, and he said, I want you to go forth and be that director of missions. Now, in our flesh, you know, uh, we could give all kinds of thoughts and reasons and what we want to do and stuff. But Reverend Irma Wilson stepped back praying and felt that he was to withdraw his name. Now, I'm saying that to you because you see when you are uh, an official in a denomination, I don't mean this in a bad way. You know, it's any position. I don't care if you're in a corporation or what. You know, you're somebody and people know you're somebody. But when you step away, you're a nobody. And so all these things happen to you, right? And so... What he did when he stepped away, he was just like, okay, Lord, what do you want from me? And the Lord prompted him to become a traveling evangelist. In 1984, Reverend Irma Wilson was invited to a little church called Spreading Oak Tabernacle in Inkster, Michigan. A congregation of 20s, 30 on a good day. Revival meetings for an entire week, you might get 18 people to show up. And this guy who was a somebody at one point in his life had no issue with coming and being the evangelist to this little tiny little group of people. See, <laughs> it was Reverend Irma Wilson who preached the message when myself, as a 19-year-old boy, was sitting right there in the front row with my lovely bride, who was just my girlfriend at that time, a senior in high school, sitting right next to me. And it was in that moment that God called us <laughs> to give our lives to him. <laughs> and it was in that service, that day, 
with that evangelist that God changed and transformed my entire life. That one choice that that guy made on that day, I know this. He had no clue about anything outside of that moment. But it was a critical choice of his to obey the Holy Spirit of God that changed my life forever and all eternity. Not only that, but there's been thousands of lives who have been impacted because of that one choice that he made. That moment where he said, yes, Lord, and surrendered to what God was saying to him when our flesh would want us to step up and say, pick me. Instead, he stepped back and said, use him. And as a direct result, my life will never be the same. <laughs> now, church, I'm sharing this with you because you see, like, we're making these choices in our life every day. And we don't even know the fullness of it all. And I'm not telling you that God told him to step away just for me. Don't misunderstand me. Because there's a lot of other me's that he impacted. But what I am saying is, is that even though Reverend Irma Wilson in 1968, when he withdrew his name, had no clue about what the future held, God did. God saw me. He saw me in my brokenness. He saw me right where I was, and he knew exactly who I needed to hear from to finally say yes to God. And I'm like, Lord, <laughs> Lord, you are so incredible. Church, he's so, so incredible. So I share that one little story of that one little choice because of what God has done with it in my life, in my wife's life, in my family's life, in your lives, in a little community of the village of Oak Creek's lives, in gospel rescue. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God, you're so incredible what you do. When we follow the Holy Spirit and give God an opportunity to work, amazing things can happen, church. When we get out of self and we surrender and let God be God, God can do incredible things. Man, Ephesians 4, let us read it together. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. All right, so he's talking about people that don't follow God. That's what that's saying. You understand, people that don't follow God's ways are hopelessly, the world is hopelessly confused. They need Jesus. We're the ones that are supposed to have our head together, church. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your what? Your thoughts and your attitudes. Probably should read that before you come to church at least. Put on, <laughs> put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Man, is that beautiful, isn't it? It's like straight up, man. 
It's straight up. See the surrender of our thoughts and attitudes. See, when we do that and we surrender, that's the only way the Holy Spirit can renew them. See, prior to that moment where we surrender it to him, they've been all about me. It's been all about my survival. It's been all about my thriving. It's been all about my needs. I mean, seriously, it's about me. Isn't it? I mean, seriously. Until we surrender that and we receive the attitudes and the thoughts from our God and we begin to reprogram the way we think and change our attitude, prior to that... And every time we don't do that, it's about me, my needs. And so what the Word of God's telling us is as believers, if you're a Christian, that's supposed to change. It's supposed to not be about me anymore. I'm not supposed to get attitudes or like these thoughts that I have about you guys. <laughs> Right? We need Jesus to renew that. It's like, yeah, they're not as bad as you see, maybe. Let's keep reading the Word of God here in Philippians 2. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. We're, seriously, have you ever had someone sit you down and say, can you just think of people better than you? I mean, I've had people say, you're worthless. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is when you begin to not be selfish, when it's not about me, because, you know, everything we're being told in the world is it's all about you. You need this. You need that. If you do this, you'll be somebody. Uh, you need to step into this world. If you're wearing these things, people will know you're somebody. Right? I mean, that's what they indoctrinate us with constantly. And the Word of God says, uh, don't try and impress others. It's not about that. I'm not telling you to dress stupid or anything. So don't, like you know, go off uh, somewhere. But I'm just saying, like, when we look at the Word of God, it says, be humble, thinking of others is better than yourself. So it's like, it's about understanding of other people around you. They're living too. It's so easy to get caught in your own little bubble of me. And it's like, you need to step outside of that and realize there's a whole world of me's. <laughs> Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So he's not saying you can't have interests. He didn't say that. You hear that? We're, we're all going to have our own interests, and we're going to do our stuff, but it's saying like, uh, can you just like kind of step out of your world for a moment and take an interest in other people and what they do and what they're about? I mean, it's like, Oh, you exist. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought you were only here to serve me. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what it is. But it's so easy for us to look around us and compare ourselves to everybody and be like, well, I don't think I'm not like that guy. And move on our way because it's about me. And he's telling us, look outside of that. See, now, it's not just that he's telling us to do this. Look, here's the next verse. It goes right into this, right? But take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not. He did not. Think of equality with God as something to cling to. Think about it. Like holding on to self's identity, right? Let's keep reading. Instead... 
He gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in what? Obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Oh, so like now he's saying, I need to have this kind of a, a thoughts and attitude process where I'm willing to give up everything for his glory, for his purpose, for his will, for what he wants for my life. That's why I shared that one little simple story at the beginning. Because you see, whenever Irma Wilson did that, he stepped back not knowing his future, but God knew his future. And so when he talks about this, see, it's obedience to the Spirit of God. That's why, remember at the beginning, asking the account uh, accountability questions? Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? It's, it's pretty critical. Because he's trying to give us direction and give us the answers to the choices we're making. And if we don't know what he's saying, we're making the choices. And man, that's trouble, isn't it? When I'm making the choices in my flesh, I'm making selfish choices. Oh, so wait a minute. I've got to renew this. It's got to be surrendered. I need to take on the mind of God himself in this. That's what he tells us. And that means it's about others. Oh, so my decisions, my choices, the things that I'm making my plans for, they're going to impact you guys. Not about me. See, what Jesus did was all about us, not definitely not about him. <laughs> I mean, he's God. And he could have just crumpled the place up and discarded it and started over and say we weren't worth it. Isn't that crazy that he didn't? He loves us so much that he would surrender everything for the possibility that some might receive it. It was complete surrender. And the attitude that it required for Christ, and I want you to hear me correctly, was seeing others more important than his godness. You and I got nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, we're talking about God giving up his godness for me. And I don't want to give up myself for any of y'all. You know what I mean? In our flesh, you know what I'm saying? And God would do that for me? <sighs> Crazy, man. It was this incredible surrender that he did. And he did it knowing that most would not even accept it. In his own words, he said, few there will be that find it. And yet he still did it. And I look at that, I'm like, man, God, why would you ever do that for me? And he would do it even when some of them, knowing what he did, would shove it in his face and walk the other way. And yet he still did it. You hear the attitude, the heart, the mind, the thoughts of Christ as he calls us to this moment of it's not about you thing. He knows what he's talking about as he's done all of this for me and you. I mean, in my own personal life, church, there's this moment in my life that is so, so real that I visit frequently. Not in a negative way, although it is a very negative moment in my life. I can tell you that I can see the dark sky that was over my head. It was cold in Michigan. I could see the stars in the sky. 
And right now I can see it. When I told God no. This little puny, skinny little kid talking to the creator of the universe, telling him no, and walking away. See, when I, when I think back on that moment, I'm like in awe. That the creator of the universe, God, the one that can just breathe and life exists, didn't just take his little finger and thump me. Just bump me off. It's like, who do you think you are? It was only me and him. No one was there. I was all alone when I told him that. And this incredible God 